Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh, serve fast, serve friendly, lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Welcome to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. Episode 59 features former Kentucky basketball assistant Doug Barnes. Originally from Oklahoma, Doug Barnes was a typical kid interested in playing sports. His pursuit of basketball earned him a spot on the roster at Oklahoma State under coach Hank Iba. A career change after college led Coach Barnes to become a college basketball coach with stops in Arkansas and then eventually working for Eddie Sutton at the University of Kentucky for two years. Coach Barnes will take you inside Coach Eddie Sutton's first two teams at Kentucky, including the issues that Coach Sutton faced during his time at Kentucky. We'll get Doug Barnes' thoughts on Eddie Sutton as a coach as well as some of the past Kentucky coaches and, of course, his thoughts with his former players during his two years at Kentucky. It's a story of how an Oklahoma State Cowboy became a Kentucky Wildcat. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs, and his guest, Coach Doug Barnes. Doug, what was it like growing up in Duncan, Oklahoma? Well... I, you couldn't pick a better better little town to grow up in. It, it, it was like a big Mayberry and stuff, just sort of. But, uh, you know, the town was about 20,000 at that time. Uh, um, there was the largest classification in Oklahoma, which really kind of hurt you because it's also the smallest school in that largest classification. But, you know, they love sports. Uh, of course, there's big OU fans, big Oklahoma State fans, and uh, it just couldn't be a, a better uh, town to grow up in. Large family, small family. You know, I was the youngest of five, uh, five boys, uh, and all boys, uh, all boys, and uh, all athletes, all all athletes. Uh, uh, the oldest ones were twins, and they, they high school wise, they got hurt because they started uh, school early, so they they graduated when they were seventeen. My middle brother was probably the best athlete, but he had polio in high school, and then my uh, next brother, uh, he ended up playing college football, ended up at New Mexico University, so. Um, they, they all, they all played, uh, but they, the, uh, the twins were pretty small to be playing at, uh, at that young of age and stuff. What sport did you fancy over the others? Well, you know, I grew up really out in the country. And so the only thing we had was basketball and, uh, eventually ended up with baseball, but I started playing, uh, eighth grade basketball when I was in the fourth grade and, uh, it was in the country grade schools and, uh, yeah. You know, we played about 30 games a year. and uh, it, uh, So I, I didn't play football until my ninth grade year when I went into Duncan, uh, to Duncan High School. Uh, college? Well, uh, you know, I ended up going to Oklahoma State. And uh, I tell people I, uh, uh, you know, I, I started on the freshman team, uh, probably one of the worst recruits Mr. Iba ever recruited in his career. Uh, but... Uh, um, and then by my freshman year, uh, Oklahoma State won the 
the Big Eight and uh, got beat by Wichita State in the finals of regionals to go to the final. You know, we almost went to the final four. Of course, freshmen didn't suit up, you know, uh, and didn't play. My sophomore year, I just, uh, I, you know, I just uh, suited up uh, and just practiced a lot. And then, then after my sophomore year, I ended up uh, – I became class president of Oklahoma State Junior Class President and just decided that it was probably better spent time doing that. And, and I kept working for Mr. Iva. I was kind of a, a old, uh, uh, assistant in the athletic department, and uh, I think he just felt sorry for me, to tell the truth. But uh, um, he uh, – uh, so it kind of kept me in athletics doing that. What kind of fellow was Coach Iva? Well, you know, like a lot of young players, I'm not sure I appreciated Mr. Iva <laughs> until as much as I should have until uh, until I got into coaching. But um, he uh, he was just really a very classy, uh, and of course, really one of the best teachers of the game uh, of basketball and stuff. Uh, but he was he was tough. Uh, he made it. Uh, he was a very uh, uh, disciplinarian and. and uh, uh, but yet, at the same time, looking back, he was, you were scared to death of him, but he was also very fair and, and uh, treated you uh, very respectful and stuff. You, you ultimately were going to be a coach, but you did a couple things for that. What, what made you want to be a coach? Well, um, you know, just in high school, you know, they have how you have uh, – they, they started having counselors, and they uh, – I remember senior year, they say, well, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I'd like to coach. And uh, it's funny. They just said, "No, you really, you really don't want to." You're. Uh, They're basically saying my test, which is hard to believe, my test scores were really high. And uh, I said, "Well, I still. That's kind of what I want to do." And uh, they, I changed my mind, Oscar. Kind of interesting in high in college, because my high school coach got fired, and it, you know, it's kind of like something real. Uh, the real world kind of hit, and. Uh, they fired him because he couldn't win state. You know, he won 25 or 26 games a year, but but really got fired because he didn't play the school board members. <laughs> I've heard that a few times in Eastern Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, so but that happened my sophomore year, and boy, it just kind of go wow. You know, is that really what I want to do? So I I went ahead and majored in, in uh, banking and finance and stuff, uh, just because I said, you know, I don't know if I want to go through that, but. Um, Anyway, that's kind of uh, – but I, I ended up uh, hearing about graduate assistantships, and so I started, you know, working toward getting one of those. And it took me like two years to to get one, and that's kind of how I got in coaching. Well, uh, along the way, you worked for Humboldt a little while. Yeah. Tried private business. Yeah. How did that go, and then how did you get back into coaching? Well, the reason I got in Humble Oil Company, I was broke. <laughs> that, that's and oil means money. Yeah, and uh, – but I, I was really lucky. Uh, Humble Oil Company, of course, ended up th- the year I was there. Uh, that's when they changed the name to Exxon, and of course, that's the you know the Farish's uh, company uh, um, started there. But anyway, um, it was, I was in the marketing department, and I remember you know here I got a college degree, and and it really felt good about that. First thing you do, they put me in a service station pumping <laughs> pumping gasoline, <laughs> and. Uh, but anyway, it was a great job, uh, and uh, it, the, the reason it was great, uh, Oscar, is it made me really sit down and think what I wanted to do, and and that was a great company, but I it just wasn't the right thing for me, and it, it did force me to really think through things, and that's how I came up to with coaching. And so, 
you first a graduate assistant at Arkansas State, mm-hmm. then at Arkansas Tech as assistant, right. and then you were head coach at University of Arkansas at Monticello, right. nine years. Right. That's a long time. Well, and, and the only reason I got that job, Oscar, to be honest, was no one else in the state wanted it. <laughs> uh, but I, I had just uh, been assistant at Arkansas Tech, and the head coach there, uh, the athletic director got fired and uh, that hired me, and the head coach that I worked under had a nervous breakdown, and midseason I had to take over the team. And uh, I, I made the mistake of trying to get that head coaching job, and I didn't, so I was out without a job. And the UA Monticello job came open, which is in that same league. And uh, I did not know one person uh, at the school. Um, and, uh, but I just applied. And uh, I, in the fact that you know, most high school coaches made about double what that, what that uh, position paid. So anyway, they, they, they didn't want it. So I, I guess I kind of got it out of default and stuff. Uh, but it turned out, uh, as far as coaching, I, I was so fortunate, uh, Oscar, because, um, you know, they hadn't won in 18 years, uh, had had a graduate uh, uh, player graduate in like eight years. Um, we averaged probably 28 fans the first year, uh, maybe got up to 50 uh, a game. And if you're going to make mistakes in life, uh, coaching-wise, that's a good place to make them. I feel for these young people now to get head coaching jobs in Division One when they're 30 years old or 31 or 32 and they're on national television. And yeah, you know, I, uh, but fortunately, uh, I, I just got lucky in that it was some really good people. I ended up getting lucky and got some fairly good players eventually, and uh, and learned a whole heck of a lot in a, in a few years. Uh, those coaches in that league uh, in Arkansas. Or a lot like the ones you know here, uh, Reed at uh, George uh, Georgetown, uh, Don Lane. You know they had about twenty years, thirty years experience. You don't think they didn't school me? <laughs> they uh, uh, they had uh, so it was really a great great place to uh, learn learn to coach and uh, and make some mistakes and stuff. Up until March of nineteen eighty five. What would go through your mind if somebody brought up the name Kentucky? Well, you know, the truth is uh, um, I, I, I had not really thought much of University of Kentucky, to be honest. I, I was kind of a, hate to say this, I was kind of a Duke fan. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, I, you know, I didn't have anything against them. I just didn't – it wasn't like growing up in Kentucky where it's a thing. Uh, just, just kind of circumstances, though, Oscar uh, – one of my high school best friends in high school ended up in Lexington, at, ended up as the dean of students at UK, uh, Doug Wilson. And I had been up here a couple of times to visit him and just really, really liked the area. And so it was really a coincidence when that job came open. It was kind of a combination of those things that, um, you know, of course, getting an opportunity to be at Kentucky is one, you know, one thing, but it, it was a combination of also moving to a place that uh, obviously I've, I've liked <laughs> over the years, uh, since that was you know 30 years ago. Joe B. Hall resigned in March of that year after playing out in um, Denver, Colorado, lost to St. John's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm sure that was big enough with the Final Four coming here next week that you probably heard about him 
leaving and they were going to be hiring a new coach. Did you have any inkling at the moment that that was announced that Eddie Sutton would ultimately be here and you would be part of it, or did that come after the fact? Yeah, it really came after the fact. I, I you know, I, I, um, of course, I knew Coach Sutton, and uh, but I wasn't, you know, uh, in contact with him on a daily basis, and and you know, they, if you remember, there were other people really mentioned for that job. So, I, to be honest, when I, I, I told you I was driving home and I heard it over the radio, it really surprised me and stuff. Uh, of course, you know, Coach Sutton was. Uh, very similar to Adolph Rupp here in Kentucky and Arkansas. And you just really didn't, while you understood Kentucky being bigger, you just didn't realize he'd be wanting to move and stuff. Were, were you aware at that time of the um, the things that were going on in Arkansas between him and Frank Broyles that were yeah. put him in a position like he had made comments before that it was time for him to move on somewhere else? No, I wasn't aware. Uh, it, it really wasn't uh, – there were people around the program that, that were aware of that, but as far as uh, being discussed in the uh, state media, it really wasn't. And, uh, you know, Monticello's on the other – you know, it's the other corner <laughs> of Arkansas, and we did have TV there but and radio. But, but you, you know, as a coach, you're really so busy, uh, you know, with your program that you don't pay a lot of attention to any of that. So I, I, was, I was quite surprised, really, when I heard that. Had you been to the Final Four that year? Or? Yes. Yeah. That, you know they have a, they, the NABC has a, a convention with uh, um, along with the Final Four, and I I'd been going to that for at least uh, eight or nine years and stuff, uh, and uh, um, so that you know uh, was I there was been, was there any gossip going around among coaches about that particular thing? Before well, you found out after the fact? I, I'm sure there were, but not, not in the coaches. Not, the, <laughs> not, not with the group you had. Not with the group I read with. Uh, you know, you know a lot of people them. don't realize, but there's anywhere from eight to 10,000 coaches oh, yeah. on every level that's a part of the NABC. And they come to that convention. And most of them, quite frankly, were like you. They leave before the games are actually played. Yeah, and, um, you know, in a career you do smart things and you do some things not so smart, but – Going to that, uh, I, just by accident, I went to the first one. But I want to tell you something, that going to that convention really helped me as a coach. I, I met a ton of coaches there. Um, and not only that, you know, they have all the different, uh, um, you know, meetings. and, and uh, But a lot of it is just meeting coaches. Like I met a, uh, coaches uh, from uh, Miami. And the I lobby of the coaches' hotel. Yeah. Well, the because Ford. a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of high school coaches come yes. to that. And so from that, I ended up, uh, uh, you know, meeting a number of high school coaches that, uh, like I met a high school coach from, uh, I want to say Syracuse or up there, but bottom line is tried to get me to re recruit one of his players. Um, it was, it was a Scooter McCray that played at Louisville. Yes. Well, this guy played on his same team, but he wasn't quite as good as Scooter. Uh, but he ended up, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, you just, it, you ended up, I ended up not giving off that kid a scholarship. Yeah. I think he played in the NBA a couple years later, but anyway, <laughs> but but you you met people like that, and uh, it was really uh, uh, really good for my career and stuff. Really, after Eddie was hired, which I think came the day after the mm -hmm. championship game, how quickly did you get involved, or how long was it before you got to come aboard? Well, when, when, you know, when I heard 
you know, I, I waited at least a day, <laughs> but, but I, I called James, James Dickey. Of course, okay. uh, you know, James, I'd known, I actually coached against James in the, in the, uh, it's called Arkansas Intercollegiate League. Uh, and, uh, I'd actually helped him, uh, Jimmy, uh, uh, a assistant coach named Jimmy Counts who played for coach Sutton, uh, uh at Arkansas was a really good friend of mine. Was Counts on that 78 team yes, with the yeah, twin yes, well, triplets? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, I got to know Jimmy. I coached an all-star team one time uh, in Arkansas. They did a seniors, and I had Jimmy and I had Sidney Moncrief on my team. And uh, you didn't I, lose with I, that, I did, did you? Get this: Sidney hit a. This is a true story. Sidney hit a last-second shot to win the game. And uh, you know, I, great coach. I said, Sidney, you get the ball and you shoot. <laughs> but anyway, but during that deal, I've got to know uh, uh, Jimmy Counts was on that team mm -hmm. and. For some reason, Jimmy uh, really kind of befriended me, and, and uh, uh, he, he was really kind of my tie to Coach Sutton. Uh, and, uh, and I ended up helping him recruit uh, some people. Uh, Jimmy and I went down and interviewed uh, old Carl Malone, stuff uh, down in Louisiana. And then another guy uh, uh, in uh, Louisiana that played at Creighton. I'm going blank, a uh, big, tall guy. Um, but anyway... And I ended up uh, – they had a player named James Crockett that played for them. They ended up coming to Monticello. Uh, they needed a, a smaller school to play in, 6'9". James made me look like a pretty good coach and stuff. Uh, your your first uh, team at Kentucky when Eddie took over, your staff was Eddie, Leonard Hamilton, James Dickey, Jimmy Dykes, and you, correct? No, J Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy replaced – he replaced me. Oh, stuff. okay. Yeah, he came in afterwards and okay. stuff. Uh, but it was it was Leonard uh, and uh, James and myself. Okay. Um, what was it like the first day out on the court? When we had our first practice? Yes. Well, you know, Oscar is really kind of interesting. Um, um, you know, we were all new. I mean, Leonard was new and I was new. And, and of course, Wayne Breeden was, was working then at the same time. <laughs> but it was really kind of funny. Uh, you know, James did not share. James was kind of in charge of practice, and he didn't share with us the the drills. <laughs> and so, so you're just kind of standing out there, and, and you know, James was running practice, and you, you know, kids would ask you a question, you just kind of go, oh, it was, it was, it was really kind of uh, frustrating uh, to a certain degree. Uh, and I wasn't the only one. You know, Leonard was. Of course, you know, Leonard expresses himself a little bit better than I do and stuff. But anyway, so. It, it was exciting, but it was also kind of a uh, funny feeling because we really didn't know what was going on. <laughs> that that team that year uh, had a phenomenal year. You only lost three games during the regular season. Right. Uh, Kenny Walker told us on a previous prod podcast he thinks that was the best team that he was on in his four years at Kentucky. And he told us that when Joe B. retired, he thought that he was going to go on to the pros and that – both Joe B. Uh, and Leonard had told him, give Coach Sutton a chance, listen to him. And he felt like at the end his parents wanted him to get a degree, and he felt like he could move up the chart on the draft list if he came back, and of course he did. Uh, but he said that of the four teams, he thought that really and truly the best shot at winning the title was his senior year. His second best shot was the 84 season when he was a um, 
junior, I guess, mm-hmm. or no, a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And then his first year when they lost to Louisville down 83 down in Knoxville. In 85, uh, Joe's last year, uh, they were pretty much rebuilding. Uh, was it that was was that eighty six team right there? Well, that's, yes, yeah. I you, you know some some uh, some years you, you realize that that team did not have a lot of depth. Uh, of course, he had some really good players. I mean, Kenny obviously is one of the best. Uh, Roger uh, Winston Bennett, uh, you know Ed Davender, uh, uh, and of course. Cedric Jenkins was on that team. Paul Andrews. Uh, um, oh, uh, I'm missing uh, James uh, Blackman. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but it's kind of one of those years, Oscar, that everything kind of fell in place too. In that, you know, we we started the same lineup every game. We had not one starter ever out the whole year. Uh, that doesn't happen really very often. And uh, and I think you know the players with a new coach. I, I think. Uh, some of them that maybe weren't happy, you know, that's part of coaching uh, before. Kind of saw it as an opportunity, uh, and and I, I I feel very fortunate, Oscar, that I got to witness Coach Sutton's uh, coaching during that year because he just did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. He was always known as a great defensive coach, and pretty much I wouldn't I wouldn't say he was the advocate of the up and down court offense that a lot of coaches were, but Perhaps maybe that's a reason why you could lock in on five or six players. You seldom got in foul trouble. Well, of course, you know, one thing that he emphasized in coaching that, you know, I, I think so many coaches don't is he really emphasized not fouling. And we, we preach that every day in practice. And, uh, and, and the thing that I learned from him on that, Oscar, that, you know, don't make that – a lot, a lot of players, and you even see, I saw Durant, <laughs> you know, do it <laughs> last night. You know, they, they'll make a maybe what you call a silly foul, and uh, uh, but the bottom line is, you know, you may get a couple of bad calls. The next thing you know, you're in foul trouble. And, and coach really emphasized that. And so our, you know, we very seldom. I can't remember we didn't lose people on on uh, the foul situation, but. Uh, uh, you know, basically, he, he of course, defense was so important, but he emphasized not, not fouling. And, and so we were able, you know, we probably played, uh, you know, six and seven people most of the time. Uh, uh, and uh, because we weren't playing, uh, you know, fast, uh, you know, you were able to do that also and stuff, I think. Of, of your four losses, uh, there was only one uh, that you – was lopsided double digits. Kansas. You lost. You lost the last game by two to LSU. You lost by three at NC State. You lost by four at Auburn. Kansas eighty-three to sixty-six, and ironically, that was the one team that could not beat Joe B. Hall. <laughs> I think he lost twice in thirteen games. Yeah. In fact, he had a six and old record at Allen Fieldhouse, which is a record a day. For any coach that's played them five games or more, what what was the game like out there? What do you recall most about that? Well, I, I, one thing I recall is you know, you know, Chris, I, I was the low man on the totem pole, so what any, any anybody else didn't want to do, you know, I had to do and stuff for, and and I was fine with that. Uh, but they so the coach said, Doug, why don't you go out with the team early and stuff, uh, so let let them shoot and stuff. And I, so I said, sure stuff. So I go out with the team. And we walk out, and this is, you know, it's like 6 o'clock or whatever. 
and uh, we're, we're getting ready to kind of, we're back in the restrooms getting ready to go out, and all of a sudden I heard this roar. I, knew, I mean, it wasn't, I'm talking about a roar. And what had happened is Kansas had come out on the court, some of their players. And back then, they, you know, it's kind of a deal where the students evidently get first tickets or what, I don't know. But I, I was all, what I do remember is I almost wanted to go back in the dressing room. <laughs> so you guys go, you guys go shoot. Uh, and it, 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 they were really fired up. I just remember, and, and, and we, our team really got uh, shell-shocked uh, early and stuff. And so uh, it wasn't really much of a game and stuff from that standpoint. But I think our players were kind of the same way and stuff. But, boy, it was a long, long night, I can tell you that. Uh, you, you had a, a great deal of success. You beat Louisville uh, in the year that they would ultimately win the national championship. Yeah. You want me to tell you an interesting story sure. on the Louisville uh, deal? You know, uh, um, you know we, we, early we made plans for our players to go home, you know, to, uh, for holidays. And uh, so a couple of weeks before Christmas, uh, Coach Sutton heard that Denny was keeping his team here. For you know to get ready for the UK game, so coach comes into the meeting and says, "Okay, you guys got to cancel all those flights and make arrangements because we're keeping them here." Stuff, <laughs> and we go, "Oh, coach!" And he says, "Yeah." And so anyway, so, so we got to trying to do that, and you know that's hard to do and stuff for the, a week or two, and uh, I'm not sure the players were even aware of it and stuff, but we were looking at it. And so finally, we came back, coach. Said, coach, you know, we just can't get that done and stuff. And he goes, "Oh well, okay, it's done." Now, now, are you sure this is not where the private pull rank over the general that you assistant coach didn't get together <laughs> and say, "Hey, we don't want to lose this game. Yeah. We don't want to upset the well, players." What well, coach don't know yeah. won't hurt him. We just tell him we couldn't well, change I, it. Yeah, we didn't have much of a vote, Oscar. We really didn't and stuff. But anyway, the bottom line is we didn't and stuff. But they went home. And stuff, and, and of course he was nervous as all he could because we just got back like Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. I can't remember, but the bottom line is we played great. <laughs> and did in Louisville did, and then uh, and by the way the same thing happened. You know when Rex was a freshman, same thing happened again. That coach wanted to call it off again, and look, you know that game Rex had a super game. Sometimes I think coaches over practice is what I'm trying to say, and you're you're better off letting kids go home and get away from it for a little bit so uh but uh anyway that was a big game for us one one of the things that year uh came about with the sec tournament which was i guess now about eight or nine years old in the sec from when it was restarted in 79 um you ended up having to play two really good teams four times alabama you played them twice in the regular season played in the sec tournament then in the regional, LSU twice in the regular season, in the SEC tournament, and the last game on it. And as a result of that, the next year, Kentucky had been responsible for a lot of changes to the NCAA over the years. They changed the rule saying you couldn't uh, play a opponent in your conference until the regional final. Um, Those are two great games in Atlanta, but – it's it's hard to beat two teams eight times. Well, there's there's another there's another story to the LSU game. Uh, I'll, I'll make it quick here, but uh, the bottom line is, you know, that was our fourth time that we played them. 
But, you know, I, I had not worked with Coach Sutton, and, and, and believe it or not, kept my mouth shut for at least the first couple couple months. But it's getting into January, um, and Coach Sutton ran Mr. Iba's uh, uh, zone offense and stuff, uh, which I did too as a head coach starting out. But I, I quickly had to get away from it. But anyway, so in one of our coaches' meetings, I said, Coach Sutton, I said, I got a question for you. What would we do if somebody did this? And I got up on the board and drew up this uh, defense. And basically, it was a triangle two matchup uh, defense. And coach started looking at it. And because, uh, you know, again, he's one of the best basketball minds around. But uh, James jumps in and says, no, says, nobody will do that. Yeah, you know, we don't need to waste our time. I said, well, I'm just curious. Somebody may do this sometime. And do we need to kind of have a game plan. Anyway, James got it off the deal and said, no, just, we're just not going to discuss it. So we didn't discuss it until halftime of the LSU game to go to the Final Four. Okay? And it happened. That's what Dale Brown, the fourth time he played us, he played that defense. And we didn't have any idea how to attack it. You know, we, you, we only scored 50 points. And the only way we scored uh, is 52 to 50, I think. Uh, or 50, 54. 59 57. Was it that? It, uh, anyway, the only way we scored is threw it up and told Kenny to go get it. <laughs> but it, it, so it was very frustrating because I, I felt like if we were prepared, uh, and, and then, you know, Ricky Blanton just had a phenomenal game. And it's just one of those. Of course, games. really and truly, LSU probably should not have been there. No, no. By virtue of the fact the NCAA made a higher seeded Georgia Tech go to Baton Rouge in the first round right. where they beat LSU. Right. Or they went, and they changed that after the game, yeah, too. Yeah. But, but, but Kenny Walker said, in his opinion, that if they'd beaten LSU, your next game would have been Louisville mm-hmm. in the Final Four. Right. And if you'd beaten Louisville, you'd probably play Duke. Yeah. And he says to this day that that was the best team he'd played on. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a good team. I mean, you look at the talent on that. It, it was uh, – uh, the, the main thing, Oscar, is they really kind of bought into the system and, and boy, defensively, while we were, you know, just like that game, we didn't have any offense against LSU. They could hardly score against us. And if you do that, you're going you're gonna to be tough. That was your first of two years at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And during the offseason, you all made a trip over to Japan, uh, played uh, seven exhibition games. I think you won six of the seven. You come back the next year and – By the way, I didn't go. <laughs> no, you didn't make that trip. <laughs> they, they bought me a uh, – uh, it was really nice of them. They brought me some uh, uh, road bike and stuff. <laughs> but, but it was okay. That's you know, uh, Wayne Breed and I stayed here and ran camps because that was during camp deal. Uh, the next year you came back, you were 18-11. You lost to Ohio State. Uh, before I get to that, though, winding up that first year – you ended up being ranked third in the AP, which is done at the end of the regular season, and you were fourth overall in the UPI, which is actually done after the tournament. Uh, little did anybody know that that would be the highlight of Eddie Sutton's four years here. Yeah. Uh, well, like I say, it's also probably, you know, you know, Coach did a phenomenal job of coaching that year. He, of course, he, you know, he had the pressure on him, and he was, uh, he, he, uh, he. he like I say, in practice, he did a lot of the practice, did a lot of the teaching, and uh, it was uh, – we trust me, we got the maximum out of, out of that group as far as uh, their talent and as far as winning the number of games and stuff. Uh, 
the next year, uh, things really got bad in the last six weeks of the season. You lost, I think, five of your last eight games. What what happened there? Well, we just had a lot of problems. Uh, and, uh, you know, going back to remember I said about the uh, not having any injuries the, the year before, well, we start off that year with Winston, if mm -hmm. I remember correct, uh, getting out. And, of course, that, you know, I mean, Winston was just a great, great player and stuff. Uh, Cedric ended up with, uh, if I remember correct, an uh, ankle or a foot problem that he uh, he was out. Uh, and even uh, uh, one of the guards and stuff. Uh, um, but the uh, the other thing is, Oscar, uh, to be honest, uh, you know, Coach, he, he, he just – wasn't uh, involved with the uh, uh, the practice and the team as much as he was the year before and stuff, and that that really hurt. There there have been rumors shortly after he got here that he'd had some some alcohol problems in, at Arkansas before he came here, and it didn't seem like they had surfaced any that first year. Of course, winning conquers all, as we know. Things can be hidden, but. Uh, there were times after that, I think, that people close to the program were wondering who's running the ship. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously, the first year, uh, you know, it was just entirely different the second year. And the bottom line is, and it became public knowledge later and stuff, so I'm not saying anything no. that, that other people don't know, but Coach was really struggling uh, that year. And consequently, he really wasn't in control of the program and stuff. Uh, uh, pretty much James was running it. And then we all had to kind of step in at, at times and stuff. Uh, and uh, um, it was kind of interesting that it did that because you'd think all the pressure would, was off because of the year that we had as far as pressure is concerned. So it, it, uh, uh, it was really kind of surprising that, that it hit uh, when it did. But... Uh, for, for whatever reason. It kind of started in the springtime after uh, the uh, first year, and then as this got into the season, got, it got really uh, progressively worse. And during that season was the arrival of King Rex. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's what had a lot of people sort of rejuvenating. He had a pretty phenomenal year for a freshman. That was the game. He had the big game, I think, down in Louisville. Oh, yeah. Against yeah. Louisville. Yeah. Um, at the end of that year, you left and went into private business. How did that come about? <laughs> well, really, I, I, my obligation was really for two years when Coach hired me. Um, and I, I found out later part of that was, uh, you know, uh, Rex's dad was supposed to replace me, I, I found, or at least that's what I was told and stuff, uh, which, which was fine because two years, uh, um, you know, it was a great experience and, and uh, um but I also, by the end of that second year, I was I was ready to get out of there and stuff because it was it was very stressful and stuff, uh, uh, just just dealing with everything and stuff. Uh, and, and also, that's kind of when, um, you know, the, if you remember that second year, you know, Leonard left. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. How much did that affect the players that had been brought in by him? Well, I think you, you know. Uh, uh, it may have affected some stuff, you know, uh, of course, uh, you know, Irv Thomas, you know, he left. Uh, um, but I, I, I think, you know, the, uh, our first year, Leonard really did a, uh, he, he did a great job of, 
being supportive of them and stuff. But he was actually kind of backing out of the uh, their involvement. As, uh, so I, I don't think that had a, as much to do with it. But, you know, Leonard kept reminding Coach uh, that first year that uh, Kentucky was different than Arkansas. And by that, he, he meant that, you know, you got a lot of folks looking over your shoulder at, at Kentucky. Fayetteville, Arkansas is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, Leonard, and if you remember that first year we were here where they were uh, ending the uh, investigation of the $100 handshakes or whatever, you know, was going on. Uh, uh, I don't know if you remember that. Uh, yeah, that was about a year before that. Well, but it, it, it didn't finalize until yeah. the spring uh, of our first year because I remember – the NCAA came in and they they had started it earlier, but and they concluded since we weren't part of the you know we weren't there during that time, uh, but uh, anyway we got you know there was no uh, probation or anything of that nature, but it was funny uh, Oscar it seemed like right after that and of course Leonard's now gone to Oklahoma State it just seemed like that's when they kind of opened the gate to maybe doing things they shouldn't be doing stuff uh, uh, because. And I, I was really glad at that point that, uh, you know, I was getting out of there and stuff. Uh, not that I was aware. I, I was not invited to a lot of meetings. <laughs> they, they, did, they didn't want me because uh, I would expressed my views before. And so uh, I didn't get invited to that, but I just had a feeling some things were going on. The uh, you, did, you started doing some TV work. Mm-hmm. Seemed to enjoy that. Well, really, Oscar, kind of what happened uh, – um, Alan Cutler, uh, who I'd gotten to know, and uh, um, just out of coincidence, one time, asked, Alan was starting a show with uh, Chris Cross, the radio show, and Alan had asked me, uh, we'd gone to lunch or something like that, and he said, hey, why don't you come on today or something like that. So I started doing, uh, you know, just a guest spot on his and Chris, you know, Chris's show and stuff. Uh, and then from that, uh, uh, you know, somebody from – uh, you know, Kyle Macy, they were used to do, uh, like, uh, NCAA tournament shows. And so they asked me, uh, I think, you know, a bunch of people couldn't show up. So so they ended up asking me. And so Kyle and I did several of those together. And then the next thing I know, it kind of evolved into the uh, Wildcat warm-up with uh, Rob, Rob Bromley. And uh, it, it um, uh, looking back, uh, Oscar, it was, just like, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, um, I wish I had uh, worked at it a little harder and stuff, but uh, you know how it is when you're running a business. I was kind of just lucky to get there in time to to do the the show and stuff. And uh, but it was really a lot of fun because you were, felt like you were back involved, you're back around the media, so you could see them. And uh, it really just turned out to be uh, quite a blessing to to do. Really. Do you miss coaching? I you know I I you know now it's, it's been a long time, but. I, I did miss it when I got out of coaching. Uh, um, I, I didn't miss the recruiting at all. I didn't miss the travel. But I, I, I really enjoyed teaching the game. I really did, and the players. And that was really uh, the fun part about it. And, and then also, Oscar, is kind of frustrating because the one thing I did in those two years at UK, I just learned a ton of basketball. Um, I, I guess I had a lot to learn, but – you know, thinking about it, I, I never had time to sit and study films before when I was a head coach. But here I am 
know, I, one of my responsibilities was a lot of the scouting report. So I'm sitting there studying LSU, I'm studying Georgia, uh, all these different people, and I've got time to run that thing back and forth. And uh, uh, so, so you went and got an education, yeah, yeah. but you didn't get to use it. I didn't get to use it, and, and I. Not only that, Oscar, I felt like, uh, you know, working for Coach Sutton, um, I, I just learned a ton of uh, basketball. Uh, he uh, – and not to – I felt like uh, I was prepared to put all this to, to use, and then I just really didn't get the, uh, the opportunity and stuff. But, but that was okay. I ended up putting it together with uh, TV and, and – uh, um, my paycheck didn't, didn't depend on it. Looking back at the Eddie Sutton era, because you was here during it and then after it too. Right. Uh, was it was it just his personal battle with the alcohol? You think that ultimately did him in? Well, let, let me say this: If Coach Sutton, had, in my view, if he had not had that problem. Coach would probably have been here 20 years as a head coach and won a whole bunch of national championships. That's just my view. Uh, because of his ability to coach, uh, his ability – you know, I mean, Coach didn't have a reputation of being a great recruiter, but he, he was a good recruiter. And uh, he, he uh, um, was just such a great, uh, you know, developer of players that, you know, people could come in at a certain level and leave at a level. Uh, and just like with – with Kenny's team, you know, you had one or two superstars, but you had a bunch of other, other good players, but they, were, they weren't particularly great players. But by his, his ability to coach it and to put it together, they ended up being one of the best in the country. So uh, in my mind, if, if he had not had that personal problem, I, I, I don't think the things that happened would have happened, uh, not that he wouldn't have broken a rule or two or whatever, but it sure wouldn't have been to that degree. And it, uh, and uh, I don't think uh, if he were in control, those things would have, would have really happened. Once he left here in spring of 89, did it ever cross your mind that he would come back and get to a couple Final Fours <laughs> at Oklahoma State yeah, yeah. almost a decade later? You know, I always said that I always felt like Coach was one of the luckiest people I'd ever been around. Uh, and, you know, we won a couple of games that you did first year. A lot of it was luck and stuff. Uh, but And then I watched him win some games at Arkansas. But anyway, just other things. But uh, I ran into a coach, uh, you know, the, the year that he was off, he was still here. In, and this was like maybe in February or March in the old Lexton Mall. And it was about 2.30 in the afternoon. And I ran into him with a, and I said, hey, Coach, you know, how you doing? And so we just started visiting. And uh, I said, Coach, you know, uh, you know, if, if you thought kind of what you're going to do. And, and he said, you know, he said, I may sell insurance. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy now. He said, but, you know, I think I could sell insurance. And uh, anyway, so we laughed and kind of talked. But it, obviously he didn't have anything at the time. But I did go back, and I kind of, you know, I walk. And so I walk, I think. And. And I was thinking about, you know, what jobs could Coach get? And I thought of three jobs that the possibility that Coach, his ego would allow him to take. You know, he wouldn't go to UA Monticello or, or something like that, but a Division One, and that he would have maybe an opportunity. Uh, one of those was University of Arkansas, Little Rock, because 
he uh, knew uh, Clinton at, at that time and stuff. Uh, the other one was Oklahoma State because Mr. Iba was still alive. The other one was Kansas State because of Jack Hartman, who he knew really well and was at Kansas State. But there were people, and all you know, Leonard was at Oklahoma State. That uh, a guy named Noel was at uh, at ULR, successful. Uh, the, the guy at Kansas State was successful. Uh, the, uh, anyway, with, when the season ended, within three weeks, all three of those positions were open, all three of them. And sure enough, here he ends up at Oklahoma State. And if Mr. Iva had not been alive, he, he would not have he would not have gotten that job. That was kind of the last thing for Mr. Iva people to do. Now, with all that said, my alma mater, Oklahoma State, was so fortunate because someone with coaches coaching ability, it takes somebody like him at Oklahoma State, in my opinion, that can develop kids because of the recruiting part. You know, it's not like Kentucky and stuff. And so it turned out to be uh, such a great move for Oklahoma State. And for Coach, you know, he's, he was kind of going back home and where people could kind of look after him. And uh, it turned out to be a, a win-win for, for everybody. You know, after all that happened here and he left here, there was one weekend I was sitting home and thinking about, you know, I remember something happening with Eddie Sutton. And it dawned on me that just before Joe Hall had retired, in fact, it was the first round of the 85 NCAA Regional in Salt Lake City. We're out there for game. Kentucky's playing the second game of the session. And I don't know who Arkansas was playing in the first game. Mm-hmm. But in the first game, Eddie put on a rant like you wouldn't believe. Took his cold out, threw it up in the floor. And I don't know if you've ever been to Utah's arena no, I or not. I did see that game. I did, I was and he gets game. up and walks up into the sands right. and sits in the bleachers behind the press row. And I'm thinking, if we'd only known. Because he certainly wasn't himself that right. night. Right. Uh, but I do think Eddie is a great human being. Yeah. I mean, he was he was the one coach that I could write something or make a comment on radio or something that would infuriate him. And if I were him, I'd probably be infuriated too. Mm-hmm. And he'd walk up the next day and put his arm around and say, let's go have a bag of popcorn. Yeah. Uh, I remember Earl Cox and I were getting ready to do a weekly TV show on the station here in town that was not the station of record. Mm-hmm. And Earl says, let's get Coach Sutton to do a promo for us. I said, Earl, it's for the competition. Mm-hmm. I said, you can't do that. And he said, well, I don't know why not. <laughs> I said, Earl, don't be stupid. Yeah. He can't do that, and he won't do that. He said, well, I'm going to find out. So he walks up, and he says, Coach, me and Oscar doing a TV show starting week after next. Would you cut a promo for us? Well, certainly. Just come in, set it up. They had it cut. Everything's going, of course, word leaked back to the U.K. station. Right. And I suddenly get a phone call from somebody at U.K. Hey, you got to get that thing cut up. Well, he's the one that cut it. I mean, where did it? So I went to Earl, and I said, Earl, I'm going to pull a rank here. Right. We're not, he's too good a friend. We can't put him in that position. So it, I would love to get a tape of that. But that was Eddie. He would do anything for anybody. Yeah. And I do believe to this day, as long as I live, that had he not been fighting that disease. And I've had a couple of other people 
close to my family that fought it too. Sure, sure. And we I know all, it. We all have. Yes. And at the end of it, uh, he did something. Uh, Ralph Hacker called me, mm-hmm. and Ralph had got Kay Wood to go against the president and firing him. And he wanted me to make a statement too. And I went down and met with Ralph and Eddie. Right. And uh, I said, Coach, you need help. If you will say publicly you need help, I'll say anything you want to say. And he said, Oscar, I can't do that. I won't be able to recruit if I do that. I said, Coach, I don't agree with you. Right. But I said, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And I said, okay. Well, year and a half, two years later, whenever it was, ten minutes before he stood up in Stillwater, Oakland, he called me. Oh, wow. And he said, I just want you to know. I'm facing up today. Yeah. Well, they made it. I'll never one, forget that. Yeah. They made that as one of the conditions. Yes. yes which was now, smart. Yeah. Which was smart. Well. But, but, and Oscar, you got to remember this is 1989. Yes. You know, and, and since then there's been a lot of, uh, uh, it's it's approached differently now yes. than it was. And that's, it's approached more as a disease, as a disease than, than, a, than a shortcoming and yes. stuff. And, and, of course, you know, Coach's father was an alcoholic and stuff. That, that had a lot to do with it. And. Uh, but I think that really helped him doing that in Stillwater because it got it, it got that monkey off his back. Doug, let's see how you remember some of these players you coached those okay. two years at Kentucky. And I just run down a list of the players, and you tell me what you remember most. Um, Winston Bennett. Oh wow, what a, what a competitor! He was a competitor, uh, and of course a great athlete. But he was a competitor. Ed Davender. He was a competitor too. Uh, he he was really really tough, and uh, you know, of course, a great defensive player. And, and I always felt bad for Ed because uh, you know when Coach wanted to chew out Rex, he chewed out Ed. <laughs> poor, poor Ed got chewed out. <laughs> but anyway, great great competitor too. James Blackman, great athlete. Um, so proud of what he's done uh, uh, once he once he left UK. He's uh, uh, very very um he he matured um and became a professional uh, beyond my expectations and I produced a couple pretty, pretty good, good players pretty good players. players yeah roger harden well you know roger was the uh, the quarterback uh, and uh, heady and uh, and uh, you know of course you know growing up like he did he was around basketball his life and he was kind of the the coach on the on the floor, Richard Madison. Uh, wow, what uh, what an athlete, and uh, but uh, such a disappointment because Richard just didn't have the work ethic that, that you you got to have. Uh, good kid, likable. He was a con man as far as Coach Sutton, <laughs> uh, but uh, same time, I, I he was kind of my project, and I got very frustrated trying to get him to to work on the things uh, a lot of potential but you got you always know, you a great summer player yeah well he's a great athlete great athlete robert Locke. you know rob was uh you know one of my favorites uh he uh, uh you know just really uh needed a couple more years uh as far as experience and stuff uh coming from california I, he was a little bit uh, too laid back for the competitiveness but Obviously, look what he did later. You know, he had a great pro career. Todd Ziegler. 
Well, you know, of course, I've gotten to know Todd since he's come back. Uh, Todd, Todd probably uh, was a better player than than he ever showed here and stuff. But he, he got to get that opportunity, and it was kind of tough for him to get that opportunity. He, he probably was better at the Western Kentucky level. Cedric Jenkins. Well, Cedric, um, first of all, one of my favorite people. And then second is um, Cedric really uh, uh, could have – he, he had a tremendous potential. His injury really, really hurt him. He was not um, – he should have had one more year eligibility and was not handled well and stuff. That's another story. But uh, if he'd had that extra year, I think he he would have exceeded what his uh, what most people expected of him. Paul Andrews. Well, you know, Paul, of course, he's known for the shot, isn't he? <laughs> but, uh, again, Paul's one of my favorites and, and – uh, Paul really should have played more ball, in my opinion, than than he did and stuff. Uh, not particularly, uh, you know, the greatest of athletes, but he was just so smart and such a, and you know, the ability to shoot the ball makes up for uh, some deficiencies. But I always thought I was always pushing for Paul to play more. Irving Thomas. Irving's another one that obviously showed later. Uh, you know, he was. I kind of worked with the freshman. He was kind of the only freshman, <laughs> but. Uh, Irv later showed he just had a lot of promise. The, the coaching chains kind of hurt Irv, and, and uh, not uh, the you know early uh, they kind of lost confidence in him. But he ended up having a great career with uh, Florida State. Kenny Walker. Oh wow, um, you know Kenny's got to be one of the best. I'd say uh, the thing that uh, that's unusual about Kenny uh, is you know he just works so hard. Uh, and when you get an athlete that's that great an athlete that works that hard at playing the game, you, you know, you got something. Uh, I try to tell people I was the one that taught him how to jump, but uh, they, they don't give me credit. There are some people who say that maybe Kenny Walker and Roger Harden was about as good a combo as you could present to Eddie Sutton to coach. Well, I'd, I'd say it's right because you got a heady, uh, uh, smart, uh, you know, point guard, but not only that, you know, Roger could shoot it. So you had the ability – you had to guard him. And so by guarding Roger, you, uh, you know, you could – well, they put three back in the lane anyway with Kenny, but they, they at least had to guard, go out and guard Roger some and stuff. Uh, but it was a good combination. You're right. Baby Magic, Leroy Burton. Oh, wow. Well, gosh. Uh, you know, Leroy is just a great teammate and a good player, uh, you know, just not, not – you know, really as talented as you need to be to be at the, that level. But he uh, he was a valuable team member and uh, and did what he could to help the team. Walk-on Steve Bruce. Well, Steve is a I, you know, I, of course I've watched worked with the walk-ons a lot, and uh, uh, Steve just you know he's just probably uh, you know just not quite the athlete you need to be at that level. But he sure uh, worked hard, and that's what you need in, in a walk-on. Uh, Mike Scott, who oh wow, I around here, but yeah. went to Wake Forest and transferred your yeah. second year. Well, you know, Mike had some. He had a lot of promise, really. Uh, it just he didn't. Um, you know, you kind of got to get that opportunity, and I'm not sure he he really got it because of the, the people here and stuff. But uh, I I don't know how he did at Wake Forest. Do you or did he end up playing? No, no, he went there first. Oh, then, okay, came, then he here. came here. Okay, yeah. Uh, he 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 just. I think he just got overwhelmed, really, with Kentucky. Derek Miller. Oh wow. Well, of course, uh, you know D Derek's uh, 
he obviously was a great shooter uh, and uh, and and really a good athlete. Uh, uh, Derek, you know, it's just a lot for him to to handle the UK situation and stuff. But uh, obviously, uh, one of the best shooters uh, that came around for a good while. Rex Chapman. Yeah. <laughs> well, what what a talent. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, I not too many people. This, this is my view. I. Rex really got hurt um, because of coach's problem. Because uh, Rex's freshman year, uh, coach was really not that much involved. And Rex really needed it. Um, I think it hurt him not to get coaches coaching. Uh, that, you know, for example, the year before that Ed Davender got, that Roger got, all that. Really, Rex, pretty much his fre- freshman year, just did about what he wanted to do. And well, I'm sure he enjoyed that, <laughs> but uh, he he needed he needed that guidance, and I think it it hurt his fundamentals. Of course, you know, with his dad being a coach, he was really, uh, you know, uh, did a lot of things well. But he there was his game would have been much better if if coach had been able to spend that time with him, and I think it hurt Rex. Some non-players that you were associated with. Uh... Coaches, Leonard Hamilton. Yeah, wow. You know, uh, I, I obviously Leonard's a special, special person. Look, look what he's done with his career. But the truth is, uh, Oscar, I really wasn't that close to to Leonard at all because Leonard kind of looked at me as one of the outsiders coming in, and you know, Leonard could be a little suspicious of people and stuff. And uh, uh, however, with all that said, uh, a couple incidents happened. Where Leonard was really a good friend, and uh, uh, you realize that you know there, there were more to it than that you uh, than the uh, recruiting and all that stuff. But Leonard was a straight shooter, and it, whether you liked what he said or not, he was a straight shooter. Wayne Breeden. Well, of course, Wayne and I have been good friends for a long time. Wayne, Wayne amazed me uh, at the time. Oscar, that he knew so much basketball. I was just amazed that, that it that I don't know what his age was at that time, 24 or something like that, 23. But he had worked, you know, for, with Coach Hall. With the they'd been in the Olympics. He'd worked with Bobby Knight. Uh, Wayne was probably one of the most knowledgeable X and O people that I've been around. Dwayne Casey. Well, Casey, you know. Uh, First of all, I'm really excited that he's had the success he's had in the NBA and stuff. And you got to, I think we talked about it, uh, Oscar. You got to hand it to him all the, the the route that he had to go to get there. And and trust me, I would have quit a dozen times. And uh, um, but Dwayne and I ended up being really good friends. And that uh, uh, Dwayne was a hard worker, uh, really a, a great recruiter. Uh, but it was just difficult time for Dwayne because of the situation and stuff. But uh, ended up being uh, uh, coach of the year, I guess, in the NBA. And then, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, you know, he got fired and stuff. But that that happens in that business. James Dickey. Well, you know, James ended up uh, being very successful in coaching. Uh, James and I ended up not being that good of friends and stuff for – and any time this case, there's probably, you know, I, I've always been known to be a pretty hard-headed and, and opinionated about things. But anyway, James is a good person and a, and a good coach. Uh, 
87. Well, you know, that's a complicated, <laughs> that's a complicated question. I, I feel very fortunate that coach gave me the opportunity to, to work for, with him and come to Kentucky and to expose me to everything that I did. And uh, as a mentor, as far as coaching, uh, gosh, I, I, uh, I just learned uh, a tremendous amount of basketball and will always be, uh, you know, grateful for the opportunity. Bill Kiteley. Oh, wow. <laughs> you, you know, Kiteley was one that, um, uh, you know, my, my, my journey through the U.K. basketball for two years was kind of interesting in that, you know, you talk about magnitude jump from U.A. Monticello to, to here. So I, I really felt overwhelmed. But, you know, the, uh, the, the guy that, that uh, really gave me a lot of confidence was Kiteley. He was, he was kind of the first to say, hey, you're a good coach. <laughs> and when you're struggling, you know, the, you know, you, uh, it was really funny. And, and, and Kyle kept telling me, I, I don't know if he believes it or not, <laughs> you know, because Bill could tell stories. But he, he really uh, uh, was responsible for me uh, having what confidence I did and stuff. Walt McCombs. Well, you know, Walt was good. Uh, you know, Walt was kind of in the background a lot, but he tried to keep me healthy. And so that was, <laughs> that was easy back those days and stuff. Uh, uh, Cliff Hagen. Well, you know. Uh, I'm sure you had some noon pickup games. Well, I did. And Cliff liked me. You know why? I'd pass it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pass the ball. So Cliff, Cliff would always pick me. I, I wasn't an idiot. He was the athletic director. <laughs> you know, life is funny, uh, uh, Oscar, you know, because, you know, Cliff and I have become good friends because of tennis. We've been playing tennis now for, oh, I don't know, 15 years. Uh, his, son, his son-in-law, Jimmy Hills, uh, he, and uh, they played, and Cliff has been beating up on me for I don't know how long. And uh, uh, but uh, I, I felt bad for Cliff. Uh, you, you mentioned before he uh, he didn't hire Coach Sutton, and uh, and had very little uh, authority over Coach because Coach knew it. And so with him ended up kind of getting the blame. I, I really felt like it wasn't fair because he was a scapegoat. Yeah, I think most no of us yeah. realize that. Yeah. And I didn't realize it at the time as much, but you know, Cliff really loved UK. I mean, he really did. Still does. Yeah, still does. And, and uh, uh, that uh, I just really felt bad that uh, end up what happened and stuff. But it's been good because I think UK's welcoming back, and uh, uh, he's. I just wish I could uh, uh, beat him in tennis. <laughs> and he's eighty-five, by the way. Yes. Dr. Otis Singletary. I didn't know Dr. Singletary. I didn't? Yeah, I wasn't around him much at all. Obviously, he loved sports. And uh, um, I just, uh, I was way down on that totem pole and just, uh, you know, shook his hand a few. I mean, he was always nice to me and stuff. Uh, uh, but uh, I just never was really around him very much. And I guess the same holds true for Dr. David Roselle. Yeah, I didn't know Dr. Roselle. I, I felt sorry for him, but I, I really respected him. Uh, he had a tough tough task and stuff uh, coaches before and since then Joe B. Hall well uh, for whatever reason uh, Coach Hall when I came here uh, just went out of his way to be nice to me Oscar <laughs> I, I think he felt sorry for me really because uh, I didn't <laughs> you know, know anybody but he he uh, and, you know of course to me Coach Hall was the uh, you know I mean he's he's one of the best in the business and the biggest names in the business and for him to 
know my name and to actually say, Coach Barnes, how you doing? And, you know, I mean, that's just Coach Hall. So he, he uh, I was always uh, very grateful for him taking time to at least know me. Rick Patino. You know, surprisingly, Rick was really nice to me. Uh, and uh, uh, I'm really saddened by what's happened, but uh, I think he felt sorry for me, too. Uh, it, and a lot of that had to do with Kitely. I mean, I think Kitely knew that I'd been in the program, or I, I don't know. But the big thing about like Coach Patino, you know, I used to sell papa shots, and I, I was struggling. And Coach Patino bought a papa shot at Christmas, and that way I could have Christmas. <laughs> so, so I've always been a little bit uh, biased toward uh, Coach Patino. Tubby Smith. Well, Tubby's the greatest. And, and Tubby uh, really helped my uh, my TV career, what little it was, uh, and, and encouraged me to do that. Uh, and uh, I just uh, thought the world uh, – and I just – I still think Tubby's uh, uh, a lot of times unfairly judged as a coach because I think he's he's one of the best in the business. Billy Clyde Gillespie. I didn't know Billy. Never really even talked to him. And it was strange. I was doing this. You know, I was doing that show, and never had a conversation with him. Isn't that strange? I always thought that was strange. I mean, I was around the program. I was at midcourt, and I'm not sure I ever said hello to him. I, I was scared. My first words with him mm-hmm. was at his press conference when he announced after he had been fired. Mm-hmm. Two years here, and I never spoke to him. Oh, wow, well, I don't feel bad. No. <laughs> well, that was the same way. It, I mean, I, I just didn't have a I actually, to went, to I actually went to his press conference. There wasn't more than a handful of people there. And as soon as he got through saying what he was saying, it's out at the Marriott in the outdoor setting. Right. And everybody sort of leaving there. He would just stand there and start turning, walk away. And I turned looking around. I said, well, I said, hey, coach, I'm Oscar Combs. I did the pregame show. Mm-hmm. I just really felt like that. You deserved another year to get things turned around. He said, oh, okay. And that was it. Uh, okay. And walked off. One of, one of the mysteries to me, Oscar, is how and where he got the job. Because uh, you know that he did not handle the interview well. I mean, he just, you know, you, you got Coach Calipari who could handle the interview with anybody in the world and sell himself. But then you got Gillespie who you never saw sell himself I never did see him sell himself, did you? Well, of course, the, the stories about that is there were two other people in front of him, yeah. and they turned it down yeah. right. a little bit like how right. Eddie got the job. Right. And then suddenly maybe you were – I know with Dr. Singletary, when he hired Eddie, he was so scared that there were 600 media people in Lexington right. for the Final Four, and, and they were lurking around wondering why he couldn't hire a coach. Yeah. When that wasn't what they were thinking at all, but right. that's what he was thinking. Right. And I'm not so sure that that didn't happen because Billy Donovan was supposedly in the mix. Right. Uh, Rick Barnes was supposedly in the mix. Right. Then all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. John Calipari. You know, I don't really know, Coach. I, I really don't. Uh, uh, you know, my TV career kind of ended <laughs> when he came in, and, and I understood that you kind of have your people and stuff. I really admire his ability to, to uh, he's a heck of a salesman, and his ability to uh, uh, promote the program. And, uh, uh, and I, you know, I, uh, I just, uh, I, I, I would, would have liked to have known him uh, and got to know him because he's, he's uh, obviously got a lot of, lot of uh, expertise there. 
What do you see as the future of Kentucky basketball, given the landscape, given what all is changing going forward? Well, Oscar, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm that smart enough to, to – I've got an opinion, but uh, – well, That's what we're looking yeah, for. Uh, it, it's just a tough call right now. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the NCAA and this other – I think over the next year or two – it, it the whole landscape may change and stuff. Uh, um, do I like the landscape as it is now? No, as far as the one and done. Uh, it's it, you know as a fan now and, and uh, should players be paid? Well, see, I, I have a different view on that. I you know you know what a college scholarship is worth now? I mean I, that's twenty or thirty thousand in it, something like that. To me, that's pretty good pay. <laughs> and. Uh, do I think they should have salaries and all that? No, and stuff. Uh, should coaches be allowed to leave whenever they want to, well, not miss a beat? And should they be making million plus a year? Well, of course, obviously, I don't think so. But my, uh, my highest salary was twenty five thousand stuff. Uh, um, so, uh, to answer question, for example, I, I thought when Coach Sutton went to Oklahoma State, that was not right, uh, and, and nothing against you know, my alma mater, Oklahoma State, or coach, but. You know, if you left, if if you if you case on probation and you move to another school, that should go with you and stuff. Uh, and that school could hire you or not. I I don't think coaches have gotten punished, in my opinion, enough for their violations and stuff. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, and your points well taken as far as moving from school to school. Uh, I I think there should be some type of. Uh, I mean, they can do that, but you know, they should be paying some money if they're making that kind of money. I, uh, Should players be allowed to go semester to semester? I, I don't think so because it gets into such a recruiting deal and stuff. Uh, uh, I think you do need some type of restriction there. However, when when coaches leave, you know, like if you were recruited and a coach leaves, uh, then you should have that ability to, uh, you know, to move on also and stuff too. Uh, uh, but you know, I, I I just think of the next couple of years, Oscar is going, uh, and I think those changes need to be made. I think it's a great game. But I think uh, if they don't do some things, it can, it can, uh, it can hurt the game. Your greatest memory of your two years as an assistant at Kentucky. Well, there's there's just a bunch of them. Uh, probably one thing. I mean, this is kind of crazy. Uh, uh, one, you know, I first came here. You know, you used to go on the road and do those scrimmages. And we went to, I believe it was Maysville. And I just remember driving on the bus um, two hours or three hours early, and you couldn't get through to the gym stuff. Uh, it's just strange that that just kind of comes back to my – I just go, wow, wow. Uh, I just never seen that kind of enthusiasm for, for a program before. And then, um, and then I think uh, Happy Chandler singing the – my old Kentucky home was, uh, I think that was the first year and stuff that was kind of, kind of special. Uh, you know, it's funny you don't really remember the, I, I do remember the loss, <laughs> but I don't, I, I don't remember a particular, you know, big, big win or something. But those were kind of special times that, uh, 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 and then I, I, I went over and spoke one time to uh, uh, the UK alum in Louisville because it was the same night as the banquet here that, that first year. And I was expecting to go over, 
you know, a hundred or a couple hundred people. Coach came and asked me about noon. Said, Doug, I think one of us needs to go over. I said, sure. So I go over. I walk in. There's fifteen hundred people. <laughs> and then all of that, Coach Claiborne was there. That's the first time I met him. And I'm going through the lines, and I had a date. And she said, Doug, do you have a speech? I said, well, I'm not supposed to speak. She said, I think you are. <laughs> and sure enough, I did. <laughs> and, you know, and but there was over fifteen hundred people. And I just. But again, I was just kind of overwhelmed uh, uh, how that kind of support in Louisville. So. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. Our thanks also to Doug Barnes for taking time out of his day to speak with Oscar and you, the Big Blue Nation. For all of Oscar's podcasts, you can find those at oscarcombs.com. You can also subscribe to Conversations through both iTunes and the Google Play Store. Subscribe and download to your mobile device, and each new episode will automatically be waiting for you, and it's all free. As for Oscar, you can always find him on Twitter. With the latest news on the Cats, follow Oscar on Twitter. He's at Wildcat News. For Oscar Combs and Doug Barnes, I'm Bo Robinson, thanking you for listening to episode 59 of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. And as always, go Big Blue.